You're listening to the Reconditioned Podcast, empowering people to take back ownership of their well-being. And on today's episode, I speak with Ayurveda and wellness expert Mira Manek, all about how we can incorporate ancient Ayurvedic rituals into our modern lives. Your personality creates your personal reality. Authentic power is when your personality comes to serve the energy of your soul. The truth is the body is one ecosystem. You can get to the root cause and everything goes away. Welcome to the Recondition Podcast, where I use my knowledge and expertise of over a decade in the wellness and transformation world to take a deep dive into what makes us thrive as humans. I'm Lauren Vaknin, leading wellness and transformation coach. And following my remission from the rheumatoid arthritis I'd had for 27 years that left me wheelchair bound by the age of 18, I created a unique coaching combination, conflating physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects of self to create true long-lasting well-being in all senses of the word. This podcast is one of the many free resources I've created to help you achieve the same. Whether you're suffering from chronic illness, raising children in a world of conflicting information, you're an entrepreneur wanting to step into your purpose, or you simply want to feel empowered and motivated to become the best version of yourself, join me along with expert guests as we uncover the most actionable and tangible ways to recondition ourselves back to wellness. The Recondition Your Life Academy is going to be open for enrollment again from the 24th of August for a few short days. It only opens three times a year and there are limited spaces because I keep these groups intimate. And of course, it's first come, first served. You can head to laurenvacneencoaching.com and go to the client love page to see what Academy alumni are saying about how the course changed their lives. From helping to find their purpose to finally recovering from trauma, to finally being able to manifest their dream relationship after being single for years, to understanding their body better in order to recover from illness, to, well, just actually being happy for the first time. If you are not in complete alignment in your life, if you've read all the self-help books, you've taken all the courses, you're listening to all the motivational speakers, but nothing is shifting for you, and you are just so ready to be happy and fulfilled already, If you're ready to become your best self and start manifesting into your life everything you dream of, the Recondition Your Life Academy is for you. It's a 12-week remote course where you are coached by me personally and alongside a sacred tribe of like-minded women, all there to up-level their lives. We work through the four aspects of self, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, tackling every aspect of self that could be broken until we heal the whole person. It is unique. You will not find anything else out there like it. And it changes lives every single time. Just check out all the video testimonials on my Instagram highlights to see what I mean. The transformations as a result of this course have been life changing. And you could have that too. And I want you to have that too. So get a guaranteed spot by getting your name on the waiting list over at laurenvacuumcoaching.com forward slash recondition and put the steps in place to recondition your life today. Welcome back to the Recondition Podcast with me, Lauren Vaknin. You know it because I say it every time. 
I am super grateful that you are here tuning in with me. I heard somewhere that there are a billion podcasts on iTunes. Can that be right? I, is that right? I don't know. A billion? Really? But you are here listening to this one. So I am filled with gratitude, whoever you are and wherever you may be, that you are listening to this. And my vow to you as an offering of gratitude that you are here listening to me is that I will continue to do everything I can to provide you with the very best content there is when it comes to wellness and inner growth in all aspects that cover that. And as a result of that, I am doing a new little thing where we're doing review giveaways. So if you leave a review on iTunes, obviously a good one, I hope, and take a screenshot of that and tag me in your Instagram stories and tag the podcast, you will be entered into the season five competition where I am getting together a bunch of my favorite items. And at the end of season five, we will pick one winner who will win a goodie bag of all my favorite items. So really exciting. And um, you know some of my favorite items because I talk about them on here all the time. And um, so get on with that reviewing because it really helps other people to find, as I said, there are a billion podcasts out there. If you like this one, let's help the ratings to get up there so that other people can find us amongst the chaos of all the other billion podcasts. So today I had the pleasure of interviewing my friend Mira Manik, who is an expert in Ayurveda and I guess integrative health. And I love Ayurveda and I'm a big fan of any ancient principle that uses nature and the more kind of natural ways of healing to help us get back to, well, it gets back to basics. That's kind of what the principle is of all these ancient healing modalities. They all bring us back to basics. It's all the same, just bringing us back closer to nature, closer to what our bodies were created to be as we are from nature. And so we delve into... Ayurveda and what it can do for us and how to use the ancient Ayurvedic rituals in our modern lives to enrich our modern lives. We talk about interoception, understanding our bodies, that kind of intuition that comes with learning how to listen to your body, talk about gut health and yeah, getting back to basics and nature and all that good stuff. It's a really, really fun episode. Loads of uh, little tidbits of information. I love those kind of episodes where you come away and you go, yeah, people, you know, have that will we'll sit there writing notes, taking notes away, you know, at least a few times where you write a few sentences that something really resonates. Those are my favorite episodes. And this is definitely one of them. As you know, most of you know, I am a huge fan of Urban Veda natural skincare products. Um, and they their products are formulated using Ayurveda. They, I use their products for everything, their skincare, their day and night creams. You probably hear me talking about all the time because they are the only day and night creams I have found that are natural, cruelty-free and affordable, but still are thick and smell good like the luxurious, you know, conventional ones that I used to use. So if you would like to get into using uh, natural skincare products that incorporate Ayurvedic principles, head to urbanveda.com and you can use the code Lauren15 for a 15% discount. And I won't take up any more of your time because there's some really good stuff in this episode. So let's get to it. Mira Manek is an author, Ayurveda and wellness expert, chef and entrepreneur. She founded an online brand, Chai by Mira, creating and selling an array of chai blends, 
She has written two books. In her first book, Saffron Soul, she has brought her family's recipes to life and created lighter and wholesome Indian dishes. While her second book, Prajna, focuses on happiness, rituals, and Ayurveda, as well as staple recipes and spirituality. Mira is also an integrated health practitioner, a discipline that combines nutritional science, naturopathy, Chinese medicine, and Eastern philosophy to treat physical, mental, and emotional disorders. So hi, it's been a bit of a year since we last spoke. I know, such a long time. Lovely to see you and also to be on here. So thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being here. So what's been going on since we last spoke? Quite a lot. I feel like the lockdown period, two lockdowns later, a whole year later, I feel like almost a different person. A lot has happened in my life as well as my own growth, my own personal growth, my studying and learning, and also my chai business, which went online as opposed to having a cafe, which obviously, you know, I had and I closed it down after lockdown, decided to close it down permanently. And I've taken it online and it's been a whole new world of business and been very interesting yeah the world of online business is like a whole new world there's like a world there I always say and then you there's like a door that you open up to online business and there's a whole new world with like its own celebrities and everything (laughs) Um, so I do this new thing since we last spoke where at the beginning of each episode before we kind of get into everything I ask the guest what have you done so far today to support your wellness well, it's 9am. I've already been for a quick walk and not enough in terms of wellness. Usually I would have done breath, breath work in the morning, but I had a bit of a restless night and sleep very well. So I woke up a little bit late. I have various rituals and I always try to get some exercise done in the morning. But today, you know, I give myself the odd day where I don't do anything because I wake up a little bit later if I've had a slightly restless night. And last night was the first night I probably went out for dinner. So that was quite nice. Um, nice. And I think it affected me because it's been so long since I've eaten out. Yeah, I know. And it's so exciting now. I've booked like a whole bunch of restaurants. Thank you. Oh, lovely. Yeah, so I was out last night. It, was, it wasn't actually a bad meal. It's just that I guess my body's not very used to it. And I was kind of yeah. out and about the whole day, which is, again, I'm you know, I'm usually at home, maybe out a little bit, but this was almost the whole day. So I think that just had its effect on giving me a bit of a restless night. Yeah. And I guess when you're used to eating just home cooked food the whole time and then it's this, you know, different food made with different things and it can affect the body. Mm. And also I think the older I, I mean, I'm not saying I'm super old, but, you know, year on year, year after year, I realized that my body and my digestion kind of gets more and more sensitive to things. And I think that happens to a lot of people, but I suffered with a mild form of IBS from my teens. So from maybe, I think I was diagnosed at like 14, 15. And I haven't really properly checked out whether it's got any better or worse, but I've just been able to, over the years, manage it better. And also, I think, eating out or having erratic food during the day, which I'm very used to because I've done a lot of erratic eating over the years, can really mess up my system. And I think my system's not used to it anymore. So it's yeah. it's good to see that your system reacts to those sort of days when you don't eat properly yeah for sure yeah absolutely so obviously last time we went through your background and everything but for those who didn't hear that episode what I'd love is just to hear kind of how you got into Ayurveda and everything you're doing and also I'd love to know about what's going on with this online business now and how you're managing it and the changes that have happened this year Absolutely. So I think a good place to start is what I just mentioned, which is my digestion, because that's sort of how my whole wellness journey began. 
Um, I have always been had sluggish digestion, as I said, um, IBS. I didn't know enough about it when I was diagnosed with it, but I knew that I was affected very quickly by the different foods that I ate. And it's years later, I actually made it worse by having this sporadic way of eating and also uh, giving into those media fads of eating little but often mm -hmm. and having low fat foods and trying oh, to... And also my idea of health was almost how skinny I can get. Yeah. That was what healthy meant to me. And that was in my 20s. I mean, I wasn't young, so it was quite ridiculous that I thought that. But in my in my teens and 20s, I started eating. I used to travel a lot. I was a travel journalist. And finally, when I reached 30, and I didn't cook that much. I was interested in cooking. I made things the odd time. I was traveling a lot. Um, and then when, when I hit 30, it just dawned on me one day while I was in India that actually the food I grew up eating is the food I need to go back to. And that's the food that is nourishing. And why did I ever think it wasn't? So I had actually moved, I was about to move back to London then. And when I moved back, I started learning these recipes from my mother, my grandmother, my aunts. And we all grew up in this very large um, family and family unit. And it felt like exactly the same years later when I hit mm. 30. And it sort of is exactly the same apart from lockdown, um, where everyone, you know, a few times a week cooks together. So I started learning all these things. <clears throat> and I wanted to write a book about it. The journey took longer than I thought. I mean, I don't think I realised what um, publishing a book meant. And yeah. four years later, I published my book. And, it, you know, that journey was different things, like doing supper clubs or it evolved, you know. And I started working with restaurants and cafes and creating try and it kind of started then but it only grew recently and then my first book was therefore a, a combination of dishes that I adapted from my childhood food but also very traditional Gujarati food vegetarian and vegan that I'd grown up eating so literally exactly the kind of food you'd make at home and very simple so I wanted to break it down to people but actually if you haven't cooked Indian food before it doesn't need to be complex you don't need to start trying to replicate what you get in restaurants you only need very few spices in order to create something very flavorful and healthy so that was the first book. And then the second book was all about Ayurveda, going back to actually the way I grew up, but I didn't realize all those things were Ayurvedic. And I guess the books have been my evolution in wellness as well. And it, the second book, as you know, isn't just about Ayurveda. It's about my spiritual journey. It's about my own uh, my own personal journey, what led me to go, go back to my roots, um, you know, the issues that I went through. And I think... I brought together a lot in that book and it was a very sort of cathartic process writing it. Um, and then I'm also working on a third book now, which I haven't yeah. yet finalized. Um, sorry, I have finalized, but I haven't yet uh, figured out which publisher I'm going with or anything just yet. It's taken a long time. Usually it takes me a very long time to get the proposal ready. And then once I start writing it, it takes a little bit less time because I never had the idea formulated until I've really written, written, written. Mm. So the idea is now formulated. It really brings together my two books, but it's an extension of my two books, but it's more combining what I've studied in the past year, which I haven't touched upon yet, which is integrated health. And also the other things that affect how you eat, what you eat and how you digest, which is things like stress and also food, which is functional as opposed to glamorous and, Obviously, it has to be a little bit delicious, but I'm trying to show the difference or the combination of food being for function and also for pleasure. Mm. Oh, I love that. I, I talk about that a lot in terms of 
we have to eat for our bodies and what our bodies need and specifically you know individually like what does your body's individual dna makeup need from diet but also this idea that we've been gifted with these five senses uh, as humans you know and to kind of not use them and utilize them and enjoy them with food and food being a ritual and a ritualistic experience and I love that. It, it it really, yeah. I'm oh, I'm so looking forward to that. And if it's anything like uh, Prajna, which is like one of the most beautiful books ever, and everyone that I've recommended it to or lent my copy to is like, wow, it's amazing. And it's, it's very beautiful. I think it's behind me actually. Yeah, I can see it. It's a pink copy. <laughs> yeah, it, it I does. Love, pop. I love the pop of pink that just pops out of people's shelves. I know it's so beautiful. Um, so talk. Yeah, let's see what happens. I don't know, but I just think it's a, it's a much more sort of concrete and brings in nutrition a lot more but also is very sort of it is more recipe oriented there'll be a lot more uh, images and it'll be more of a cookbook with additional information right okay well I'm looking forward to that you have to keep us updated yes what I'd like to go into is for you to explain really what Ayurveda is so Ayurveda is well it means the science of the scripture of life and it really does combine every element of lifestyle from food to how you, when you eat so it's, it's it's a lot to do with food because it focuses on digestion and what ayurveda calls the agni or the digestive fire which really needs to be ignited and kept ignited and how do you ensure that it's kept ignited throughout the day um is not just by how what you eat, but it's also about how you eat and when you eat. You know, if you don't allow enough gaps between meals, and if you snack too often, then it douses that fire, which what I was saying, agni, or it douses the digestion, and therefore the ability for your stomach to be able to digest the next meal isn't as strong. So it's it's all to do. It all comes back down to digestion. And digestion is where is the root cause of so many ailments and so many diseases and so many issues. Um, and I think even science now is proving that digestion is the root cause of so many of these things, which is why I think Ayurveda has become more and more popular because these, these sort of notions um, that people would talk about are now being proved and being proved by science. So that's really interesting because modern day science is proving Chinese medicine, Ayurveda. Ayurveda is about the way you live, about the, um, it combines yoga, breath work, it combines the food you eat, it combines a circadian rhythm about waking up early, um, you know, going to sleep slightly early. It's basically what every lifestyle and wellness practitioner speaks about. Yeah. Um, I just think the root is different. So Ayurveda is the root from India and Chinese medicine is the root from China. Actually, they both speak similar languages. Of course, every single body is different. And therefore, we have the three doshas, which a combination of two, sorry, we're dominant, dominant, we're each dominant in a combination of two of those doshas. And that remains the same throughout our life. But how do we get back to that? Um, how do we get back to that state? And how do we get back to what we're meant to be um, is, is the sort of struggle throughout life, life or what we're trying to aim for. And also how to keep all three in balance. Um, and I think what I, even though my book doesn't focus on the doshas because it doesn't go specifically into finding what dosha you are, I think the idea is to just live a more holistic lifestyle and eat just some fresher food. 
and focus on changing those things first and the rest later. So, you know, things that might be, even if you're eating really well, what is it that's affecting you? Then you can look into doshas sort of thing. Um, so yeah, that's sort of what Ayurveda is. And I think over the years and having now done some, you know, EFT or acupuncture, all these things, which I, I just love doing different healing or not doing. I also have trained in a lot of these practices, but also they have healed me. So, you know, when I was going through my period of life where I was, um, I was going through a divorce about seven years ago, EFT really helped me, you know, pranic healing really helped me. Um, I also did a lot of breath work at the time and yoga. And now I've trained in a lot of those modalities because they will continue to help me, you know, no matter what I go through. And even when I'm not going through something, they'll just make me feel, feel more alive and happier and more energetic. So I just think these are different systems from different parts of the world, but they speak the same language. I love that. That's just such a gorgeous quote that I think we can all live by. Um, something that I love in, um, Prajna, one of the first things you talk about is rhythm and rituals. And I'm such a fan of rituals, uh, a bit obsessed with them actually. So can you tell us why rituals are so important? Talk us through maybe some of your rituals. Absolutely. I think rituals, these practices or whatever you call them, are just wonderful ways of uh, defining things that you do, but you do them ritualistically. So you do them because I feel like you are, I mean, I don't know where I read this quote. I'm sure it's a famous quote but you are what you repeatedly do. And I think that's really wonderful because I, during, before lockdown, when I was running my cafe and when I actually wrote the book, these different things that I spoke about, whether it was yoga, breath work, um, oil pulling, uh, you know, eating according to the circadian rhythm and leaving gaps between meals, um, what else? Qigong or EFT, all these things that I've written about in the book, different rituals that you can incorporate into your daily life. They were sporadic for me because my life had become very sporadic, you know, running a cafe, I wrote, wrote a book, I was publicizing the book and I was sort of all over the place. And it's only when lockdown happened, obviously I resisted it initially, but when lockdown happened, I, I slowed down obviously. And as we all did, and I started to, go with the rhythm of life and the rhythms of nature and started walking for the sake of walking rather than to get somewhere. I started studying, I started reading, I started just being. And I think that made me realize that actually these rituals, whether it's walking, breath work, start, when I started incorporating these as daily practices rather than things that I sporadically did, I realized the benefit because you can only realize the benefit of these things if you do them ritualistically and making yeah. it ritual makes every single thing that you do very very meditative and that's another thing I write about in Prajna which is meditation doesn't need to be just meditation your walk your playing music you even watching television sometimes when you're just in the mode of doing something maybe not television but you know when you're in the mode and you're really in that moment and you're speaking to somebody or you're just sitting there in bed reading something if you're if your mind is very much focused on what you're doing um art writing whatever it is if your mind is fully there i think that can be truly meditative so yes meditation is amazing to still the mind um, but I think people can get a little bit daunting. It can be daunting because you're almost trying to do something which should come naturally. But I think if you find that passion, whatever you truly love, and you're really with 
that particular thing when you're doing it. That can be your form of meditation. Um, so I think going back to your original question, lockdown is what made me realize that these rituals have huge benefits if you incorporate them daily and doing breath work on a daily basis basis makes me realize that on the days that I don't do it I don't feel as centered or I don't feel like I'm as grounded on that day so it's incredible to see the benefit the powerful benefits of weekly and daily rituals but that doesn't mean you go to the extent where if you don't do it for one day you're going to go you know get a bit of anxiety over it yeah um, and I think also walking once a week or twice a week and maybe, and now my Sunday ritual is running and doing those things every single week. I look forward to them. You know, I was never a person of habit, habit, but actually now doing these things every day, every week have made me realize that I actually love those things so much that I don't want to give them up for an, the new world that we're entering into. Yeah. I think lockdown did that for so many people. You spoke about walking as well, didn't you? So many people started walking, like you say, not just to get somewhere, but to enjoy it. And you were saying about meditation as kind of, it's being in the present moment. And I think all the, you know, I know from around here, I found walks and like paths and fields that I never knew about because I never had time to look for them. And we now have all these amazing places that we go walking in. And so I think just slowing down, allowing ourselves to um, just be more in the present moment is so powerful. And it's such a small thing, but it's just something we don't do enough. And I think for me, tell me if this is wrong, but what you've done so beautifully with your books is take an ancient practice like Ayurveda and make it... um, make it easy and relevant for modern life. And I think sounds like that's what you're talking about. Yes, absolutely. I think it's all about that. I think it's also about, what I also write about in the book is that rituals are great in the the way that, you know, it can be anything, it could be running, it could be yoga or breathwork or whatever you want. Rituals are great to incorporate in your daily life just to feel better. But actually they become your heat, sorry, they become your toolbox of healing. When you actually go through that really hard period in life, which all of us inevitably will and probably have done, um, they lift you. Those few things that you do every single day, those practices, they lift you from being in that cave or that hole or the hollow depth of, of, of sadness. And they lift you and, and allow you to survive. Um, so it's actually great to incorporate these every single day on the good days, but actually carry them through those those slightly darker times. Um, and that's where I find my rituals, you know, even though I was doing it in a very scattergun approach, when I actually had those three years of being fully, well, being very, very depressed and very in my own cave and hole, I started doing anything that came my way. If somebody told me about pranic healing, I'd started doing that. If somebody told me about EFT, I started doing that using videos. If someone, you know, yoga made me feel better, so I did that. I never went to mass, I love massages. I stopped doing massages because every time I went into a room which was dark, um, I just start crying. So, you know, just seeing what works for you and then carrying those things forward, whether it's the good times or the bad times, it's it's actually incredible because you never really stop doing the work, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, that's so true. The work is uh, continuous. The journey of growth never ends. And if you think it has, then you need a lot more <laughs> growth, right? Absolutely. You're never really, it's not about, it is about healing. It's not about healing, but actually you're never really truly 
I mean, you're always happy, but there'll be moments that you're triggered. And those are the things that you continuously need to work on. Yeah, absolutely. And also healing, healing just is a process. And I think we kind of use this word healing as, you know, there is a specific thing that I need to heal from, but I think just life is a healing process. We're, we're healing from past lives. We're healing from trauma from childhood. You know, I, I talk about this a lot, like little T trauma. It doesn't have to be big, overwhelming traumas, but conditionings and things like that. And I think life generally is, is a healing process, which is why I do what I do. Um, you know, Absolutely. and try and kind of get people back to that that state of alignment. Mm. Um, and it's an evolution. And I feel like it's also really fascinating to see what comes up when you're feeling your happiest, if you're doing things like, you know, we were talking before this podcast about EFT, emotional yeah. freedom technique or tapping. Um, if you're doing that when you're, you know, on a good day, um, it might be fine. And then you tap more and you tap more and you might reach a stage where you're, um, taken back you know to when you were four yeah. years old and and that's when that's when it becomes really interesting fascinating but also unlocks those deeper sort of deeper rooted knots that might be causing symptoms you don't realize are sort of caused by that incident or something that happened when you were much younger exactly yeah absolutely I love EFT for that um, what I'd like to go into is some, because in, in Prajna, you talk about this a lot, but some of really the fundamental daily rituals that we can incorporate to make us healthier. So you talk about things like ginger, oil pulling. Let's grab a handful of those, of your favorite ones and see what things, because people listening might want to hear, okay, great. Ayurveda sounds great. What things can, practical things can they implement into their lives to enrich their lives a bit more? Absolutely. So one thing I would say is some sort of breath work. Now, it doesn't need to be breath work, just taking deeper breaths, as mm. simple as that, really slowing the breath down, because actually that is the quickest way for us to uh, arrive in this moment. And also it's the quickest way to get us into the parasympathetic nervous system, which if you don't know what that is, it's the rest and relax mode. And if we're constantly in the opposite direction, which is the sympathetic nervous system, then we're constantly in fight or flight mode, which is almost like years ago, as cavemen, we were, if we were running away from a tiger, now that would happen one off and the adrenaline and rush and all of that. But actually if it's happening all the time, which for many of us it is, you know, if you're constantly having little, little stresses, um, they're adding up to being in that, that stress mode all the time. You've got high adrenaline, high cortisol, and you're not able to do a, a lot of the bodily functions that normally happen properly. That's when digestion gets affected. And so you can't digest your food properly. So what I would say is, even if it's just before meals, just taking a deep pause, uh, sorry, a deep breath and a pause before you eat your meal and slowing down the breath and taking a few very deep breaths, close your eyes and just deeply breathe go away somewhere if you're with somebody or even when you're with somebody just slow down for a second and take a few deep breaths and that will allow you to enjoy your meal better and bring you to the now rather than rather than in your mind to what's happened in the past or what's about to happen in the future so that's I think that's my go-to um, of course then there's more techniques when it comes to breath work I do a lot of a lot more you know pranayama um, various techniques and they're all really really powerful but just taking those deep breaths is great mm. um, secondly I would say um, gin yeah like you were saying ginger so I have 
uh, ginger in hot water quite often. It warms up my body, my set. It's good for circulation. It's good for and being. It's anti-inflammatory as well. I have ginger powder or grated ginger. Um, but more importantly, it's about spices. So incorporating spices in your food and drinks. Um, if you like cinnamon, put a cinnamon in hot water, see how that feels for you. Um, if you like the spice mix, um, add a bit of a spice mix powder to your tea, to your daily tea, so make it more of a chai, because actually all the spices um, have great benefits in terms of digestion, in terms of being anti-inflammatory, in terms of increasing, some of them do increase the heat in the body. So it depends if you're really, uh, if you have a lot of pitta in your body, which is excess heat, then maybe ginger might not be that good for you, but see how, listen to your body. And if you, we all have inflammation and spices will help that. So drinking ginger will really help that. And that's something that Ayurveda might speak about, but actually it was my Chinese a uh, doctor who actually told me to start having a ginger powder in hot water a couple of day, a couple of times a day or a few times a day. And I haven't stopped since. Um, I may not do it every single day now. There was a time when I did it every single day. Um, but I do put ginger in my tea. So if I'm having a cup of tea and I don't want to put my chai spice mix, I'll put some ginger powder because I know that really works well and heats my body up exactly for circulation. So that's another thing, using spices in drink. And then I did mention using spices in food, but I'll just touch on that more because actually spices don't need to be just coming out when you're cooking an Indian meal. You can incorporate spices in any meal you're mm. eating. So if you're stir frying some vegetables, when you put the oil into the pan, add some cumin seeds and then stir frying mm. vegetables. Or when you're you know, mustard seeds, cumin seeds, cumin powder, coriander powder, turmeric, all these things. If you just sprinkle bits of this and that, they just help with digestion. And you can, of course, look up the benefit of each one. They all have their own plethora of benefits. Uh, and each one is beneficial. And of course, adds no calories, the spices at the end of the day, but adds ample flavor. And if you're struggling with vegetables not being flavorful enough, they're amazing for adding flavor. So look those things up and start just sprinkling them on your food. Learn how to cook them a little bit. Don't just sprinkle it on, cook it first and then add the vegetables in, that sort of thing. Um, and I would also say that doing some sort of movement, so um, some sort of activity, and I think exercise is really, really important. That could be for you yoga, weight training, cycling, running, anything you like, starting off, and I'm sure most of the people listening to this podcast are probably doing all those, or one of those things, but it's just very, very important to get the body moving um, every single day and not being latent, because actually it's good for the body, but it's also good for the mind. It's also a way to release endorphins, um, which are the happy, feel-good hormones, and therefore, just find that thing that works for you because exercise is so, so important. There's so many studies showing what a great impact exercise has on your body and mind. And I really have realized, I'm going to start speaking about this more on Instagram, that strength training is so important for our bone structure, our muscles, our body. Um, and I started doing a lot of strength training, a lot of weights, um, simply because I've had two bones broken in my body before and I started taking supplements but that's not enough I think you know when you're yeah. getting older muscle um, strength and building muscle is very very important to prevent injury in the future yeah um, and also you feel so much stronger in your body it takes time to get there but I think 
you know, I used to do a lot of yoga, but actually now I'm focusing on strength training. So it's about mixing it up and seeing what yeah. works for you. Yeah. And, and, you know, people know me for my yoga and my breath work, but actually I'm just going to start mixing it up on my Instagram as well, because I think it's important to really put out there what is true to you. And now this is true to me. I think yeah. fitness has become a real real thing for me um I didn't have the energy for it before I thought I didn't have the energy for it before now I do um so that's that's the other thing and then I would just say some some activity or some form of meditation to slow the mind down it doesn't have to be meditation it can be a sound bowl healing sorry a sound bowl um singing bowls listening to that while you're lying down it could be listening to some music um in the evening just something that changes your brings you into the sort of calm mode in the evening because I think if you are struggling with sleep or you have restless sleep that will affect everything in life and that triggers a lot of issues so just making sure that the evenings are your sort of sacred time or even just one hour or half an hour whatever it is working on that so that you know that your sleep is going to be the best sleep you can possibly get because Mm. not having good sleep is the root cause again of so many so many issues and actually having good sleep well during your sleep and during your deep sleep you actually the body replenishes itself the body regenerates itself and mm. you actually feel at your best and your sharpest when you've had your best sleep yes which is what I'm struggling with right now because my little one is deciding to not sleep Hence oh, the bags no. with my eyes and the, the, the extra wrinkles since the last time I saw you. <laughs> How we can adapt. No, I can't see any wrinkles. Um, we, we adapt, but, you know, it's still like I'm working on my adrenal system is really sluggish at the moment. And I'm working with my homeopath on it and on my thyroid to kind of really balance everything. And she says, and like all my, you know, holistic practitioners, everyone, like without sleep, it is really hard to function fully. So I'm kind of like six years down the line now, waiting for that time where it kind of just kicks in and they start sleeping properly because oh. it's really messed with my adrenals. And I, sleep is a massive thing that we have to take into account, you know, like, and also, you know, this, like you said, the circadian rhythm. So if I'm working at night, I wear my blue blocking glasses, like everything to enable me to have as much sleep as I possibly can is so important. But equally, I think also when you are in that situation with young kids and it's not a possibility, there's nothing you can do. Getting stressed about it isn't going to help, you know. Mm. So it's just kind of like trying to, like you say, adjust. You touched on something you said about exercise and making it work for you. And um, that kind of comes back into like the whole intuitive eating thing, which I know you've spoken about. Um and how does that fit in with Ayurveda? Because I'm really interested in intuitive eating. I think it's an amazing practice. Yes. Yeah, so intuitive eating is, of course, very, very important because you're listening to your body. But I think sometimes intuitive eating can be misinterpreted for a craving. Mm. Often, I think more often than not, when you're trying to listen to your body, it can end up being a craving rather than what your body needs because your body's got used to that. Right. Um, whatever it is, you know, salt fix or sweet fix. Um, and obviously having been through that, and a lot of us have been through that. I've str struggled with food issues my whole life and I recognize it. And sometimes I can't do anything about it and I do give in. Um, 
And it does take a lot of willpower and discipline to exercise um, listening to my body rather than listening to my craving and understanding the difference. And that can only come with time, really, or it can come with some level of, of, of um, being accountable to either yourself or somebody else. Right. Um, so that's what I think intuitive eating. And I think it's amazing. And I think that's probably what Ayurveda also speaks about um, in the sense that you eat according to your digestion. But it's because we've gone so far away from eating fresh food and gone so far, or having more processed foods. And it's because we've gone so far away from how we're meant to eat, i.e. at meal times and snacking too much, for example. That's why intuitive eating has now become even more important or it's become a thing. So while Ayurveda or Chinese medicine or whatever practice it is, doesn't or wouldn't call it intuitive eating, I think the way you're meant to eat is an intuitive eat, eating way. Do you know what I mean? Yes, so it's because, I know exactly. it's because all these problems have become about that we've now come about with this term intuitive eating, which I think is amazing because it's like it's like intermittent fasting. You know, Ayurveda speaks about intermittent fasting, but not using that terminology. I mean, intermittent mm-hmm. fasting is a little bit different, but Ayurveda does speak about fasting. Um, maybe not as many hours, but we can speak about that later. But intuitive eating, when it comes to Ayurveda, Ayurveda is not just about, like I spoke about this before, but it's not just about what you eat, even though that's very important. When you eat is just as important. So, for example, going according to the rhythms of nature or the rhythm of the sun, which is called the circadian rhythm, waking up early with the sunrise, but obviously most of us don't wake up at the sunrise, but early, early enough. And waiting for an hour or two before you have breakfast is one thing that Ayurveda speaks about. And then having that meal would be slightly lighter and then having your largest meal at lunchtime, which again, doesn't suit everyone. So you work with your lifestyle, but that's what Ayurveda says because, and there's a reason for everything. It's because the sun is at its strongest at midday and therefore your fire your digestive fire or the agni is also at its strongest when the sun is at its strongest. Mm -hmm. And therefore your capacity to digest a meal at lunchtime is far greater than in the morning or in the evening. So there's a reason for everything. And I think that in itself, following those practices is harder now because we are surrounded by so many options, so many snacks. And when we dip in energy slightly, we just want a quick pick me up. But it's because our bodies have become so used to it from a young age that we get to that stage. We're not waiting for the next meal. We're kind of just given snacks as and when we get hungry, but actually it's important to wait for the next meal because you know that's when your digestive fire ignites again and it's as strong so that you can then digest, digest the next meal properly. Um, but I think when your body gets used, and that's where intuitive eating comes in because if your body gets too used to all that snacking, then you mistaken those callings for sweet, salt, whatever you want, um, as a as my body's asking for it rather than a craving does that make sense yeah it makes so much sense to me because every time I talk about intuitive eating or see posts about intuitive eating I'm always questioning and I did an amazing episode with a, a lady called Lauren Cadillac who's an intuitive eating coach and she went through the framework the intuitive eating framework which really is about understanding the body it's not about just eat what you want uh, the actual framework of intuitive eating itself is very much about knowing your body. Um, yes. And w- what I've learned from my experience with it is that, yes, if you are feeding your body these things that are 
not beneficial to the gut. For example, the gut will then start telling, or the brain will start telling you that you need some, let's say some sugar or something only because that's the way the body works in order for, for, if you, the more that you feed it, the more it feeds off of it. And then it keeps telling your brain that you need it. So it's only when you stop having those things for a prolonged period that your body, you stop having those, you know, I'm using quote marks, but cravings, because cravings are just a way for your your body and for your gut and your brain to communicate what it needs in order to feed the parasites or the bacteria or whatever it is that needs to keep going. Once you stop that, then it can be a state of intuitive eating because then you're listening to your innate body as opposed to the bacteria that are telling you what they need as opposed to what you need innately. Absolutely. That's really well described and put. We'll be back to the episode really soon, but first, a quick word from our sponsors. So regular listeners will know that I only affiliate with brands whose products I already use and trust. Integrity is one of my company's core values, and I feel really strongly about knowing that my listeners can be in full trust about any product I endorse. I personally contacted Block Blue Light UK after using their blue blocking glasses when I had to start working later into the evening. I began wearing the blue blockers because I was aware of what being exposed to the artificial blue light of my laptop would do to my circadian rhythm if I was working after dark, and especially because we spend so much time on them during the day. After using them for a few months, there was a noticeable difference in how quickly I was able to fall asleep after finishing work not that long before. During the lockdowns and homeschooling my son, I also got him a kid's pair, and he now wears them anytime he's at a screen, not just after dark. And I feel really strongly about how important it is for both us and our children. Now, if you've never heard of blue light blocking, and this is the first time you're hearing it, Studies have shown that artificial blue light from screens, devices, and all modern lighting are having detrimental effects on our health. Artificial blue light disrupts our sleep, interferes with our hormones, and causes digital eye strain, which can lead to long-term eye health issues. Since using the glasses myself, and by the way, they do amazing fit-over glasses that fit seamlessly over any glasses you might already have to wear, which has been priceless for me because I have to wear my glasses when I'm at screen, I've noticed better sleep quality and an improvement in the thyroid issues I was struggling to balance out fully since having my kids. Bonus! Since Block Blue Light's sponsorship for last season, hundreds of you have made a decision to improve your health and your sleep by ordering their products. And I'm only hearing positive things, which was exactly my intention for this collaboration. So to check out all of Block Blue Light's incredible health-boosting products, including day and nighttime glasses, blue light blocking light bulbs, and 100% light blocking sleep masks to help you into a deeper sleep, visit blockbluelight.co.uk UK and use the code Lauren10 for a 10% discount. That's blockbluelight.co.uk and use the code Lauren10. Thank you so much to Block Blue Light. I think you touched upon something there about listening to your body, but also um, that reminded me of allergies and uh, intolerances, which, which you know, for example, it may not suit you, so you're listening to your body. Um, yes. But if you look at your dosha types and, you know, you go to an Ayurvedic practitioner who um, figures out what your doshas are, they will probably uh, hopefully come up with the similar 
intolerances that a intolerance specialist would come up with. Do you know what I mean? So it's mm. it, whatever body type you are and whatever doesn't suit you, hopefully your body will tell you that that thing doesn't suit you. Right. But otherwise you have these different modalities or practitioners to, to identify the things that don't suit you. Um, but intuitive eating, I guess, is a, is a reaching that stage where you really realize what those things are and what your body is liking and not liking and being to ask, being able to identify the difference. Yeah. And yeah, just, you know, what you said about intolerances really hits home with me because I work a lot with clients with this who say, you know, I'm intolerant to this, I'm intolerant to that. And a lot of the time, you know, we've taken this word intolerance, like, like it's a diagnosis, like we need a diagnosis, a label for everything where often it's just the body. It's just the body telling you, like you say, what you specifically, you as a person individually need and what doesn't suit you, you as your own genetic makeup as, as an individual person. So I don't like using the word intolerance because it's just your body telling you that doesn't suit you. It's not necessarily an intolerance that you then, because what happens in the modern day is all these people have these, you know, quote unquote intolerances and then go and try to find a substitute. And the substitutes are, are not always healthy just because they're a substitute. So, you know, for instance, gluten-free, there's, you know, range of gluten-free foods that are, are just as processed as the ones with gluten in them. And so again, it's, you know, like you say, with Ayurveda coming back to nature and understanding what the body innately needs. Absolutely. Um, and it is, I'm not saying I've achieved anything, but in terms of food and uh, really, really um, grasping what my body needs, because sometimes I don't listen to my body and I really just want something sweet and I have that chocolate or even if I don't want it if it's in front of me I find it hard to resist um and that's okay as well I think you know there is room for giving in sometimes there is room for eating for pleasure sometimes um but I think sorry but I think going back to what I said when we were speaking about rituals which is that you are what you repeatedly do mm -hmm. it's about what you do 80% of the time, not 20% of the time. Yes. Yeah. I'm such a fan of the 80, 20. At the moment I've been on this, I'm very, very strict in what I'm eating based on this work I'm doing with the shaman that I work with to really get my body into a state of homeostasis. So, I mean, it is, it's a strict, and I've done, you know, based on my health in the past, you know, gluten-free, sugar-free, dairy-free, all of that. But now I, it's like no grains, no sugar. So I was, I never have sugar anyway, but it's also no natural sugar, which is really wow. hard. No, no fruit at all. Um, That's hard. Yeah. And then, but the hardest part for me, the grains and the sugar is fine. And my body has really got used to it. The hardest part is that I can't have any lectins at the moment. So no beans, pulses, lentils. So that's been really hard. But what it has done for me in terms of my brain is allow me to see the kind of discipline I can have and to know wow. that when it needs to, because like you say, it's balancing out with the pleasure and I believe we should use our five senses, but in times of acute illness, we also need to put the body and the body's needs before pleasure in order to get to that place where you can be experiencing pleasure because you're not in pain or you're not suffering with an illness or an allergy or whatever it might be, but we have to put the work in in order to do that. And that's where I'm kind of at at the moment. Um, so it's not easy, but it's been a very great learning curve for me in terms of discipline. So I wouldn't say I'm not enjoying it. However, now restaurants have opened. I'm a little bit nervous because I actually don't know what I can eat. 
I know, I find that I'm actually nervous as well. And it's not, I'm not obviously avoiding the, the things that you're avoiding. I am for sure I'm a vegan and I generally don't have any wheat, so I don't go to any pizza restaurants because it just doesn't suit me. Mm. But anything affects me. You know, my digestion has become so much more sensitive that sometimes I just don't know what's affecting me. And that it, you know, it me a lot because it has maybe, you know, noodles or something that just doesn't sit well in my system. I just get more bloated very quickly. And it's not that I suffer, suffer, but it's just that it then makes me feel a little bit more sluggish and I feel a bit heavier and I just don't like the feeling. That's all it is. So it's just about managing and choosing well and maybe picking coffee spots with certain people and doing the odd dinner out rather than every dinner out. Yeah. But I think what you've just referred to is, is interoception and knowing your body inside and out. So some people would eat those things and not know, oh, that thing has caused me to be a little bit more bloated. I feel a little bit more sluggish in my energy. Some people might not pick up on that because they're not so in tune with their bodies. When you're in tune with your body and you have this kind of access to interoception, it's it's really important. And you know what your body's telling you. You're listening to your body. So I, I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. And that comes with experience, age, and especially if anyone's got digestion issues or suffering from any sort of issue and looking into the the reasons for those issues and avoiding that comes that also also comes naturally with um, avoiding foods as well. Yeah. You did touch on fasting and you said we could go into that. What are your beliefs on fasting and how does Ayurveda speak about fasting specifically? So intermittent fasting has become such a popular thing to do quick fix for, I guess, weight loss, um, feeling better in the body, less bloated. I think it works. I think it's good to do it if you want to do it, if it calls to you. I've done it before. I've done it on and off over the years. Um, I think it stops working after a while if you're doing it too often. But I also think it's important to realize that as women, our cycle gets interrupted by excessive fasting. And the first year that I did it, which was about four years, five years ago, I realized that very quickly, you know, five weeks of doing or something, I don't remember how long, I, my cycle got messed up. And obviously I knew it was because of intermittent fasting because then I read up the research on that. And I've not done it as religiously since then. I've done it on the odd day. So if I do it weekly, it'll be like three days a week or something. And I think there is something to be said for the research that they've done on the sort of burning, the fat burn after 16 hours or after 14 hours. I can't remember exactly what it is, but Ayurveda does speak about fasting, but it speaks about fasting in the sense that don't eat your dinner early, eat your breakfast two hours after you wake up. Now, if you're eating your dinner at 6 p.m., which is around the time that Ayurveda would say to eat dinner, five, six, ideally not seven, but you know, seven is also uh, considered early these days. So if you're sleeping kind of late and then not snacking at all, not eating anything after dinner, you're technically fasting from around 12 to 14 hours. So 12 hours, most people do anyway, you know, 11 to 12 hours. Some people also go beyond that. They go to 13, 14 without even realizing. Mm -hmm. But actually that learning to do that on a daily basis, especially for people like me who, you know, the odd snack, oh yeah, I'll just have that little thing and I'll just have that, that little thing. That stops me from stacking, knowing that I'm doing that, knowing that I'm trying to focus on doing the 12 to 14 hours stops me from that little bit of snacking. And sometimes I'll do it. You know, if I'm getting a little bit hung, bit 
hungry, I'll have almond milk with, I don't know, some cocoa powder or some turmeric or whatever I want. I might have the odd, if I'm feeling a little bit of dip in energy, maybe I'll have a date or a piece of dark chocolate. But more often than not, I'll try not to eat after dinner. And that really helps with digestion. Um, and I feel the effect of that more than most people because I'm so sensitive to digestion and food. So that's one thing. And that's the way Ayurveda speaks about digestion, which is that leaving those big, that big gap at night between your dinner and your breakfast and actually breaking your fast is actually very important. And also then between meal times, you know, leaving the gap between the meal times so that you're not over snacking between meals as well is also important. So that's as far as sort of fasting goes in Ayurveda. And I think intermittent fasting is similar to that, but an extension of it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I do that. I, I um, I have I eat at like six o'clock, and then I don't have and, and and being like I said, the discipline of doing what I'm doing now. There's nothing I can have, so there's nothing I can snack, even if I wanted, apart from maybe a spoonful of almond butter or something. There's literally nothing I can have. I know, so that's the one thing just, I just want to snack on all the time. <laughs> Nut butters, right. And so I'm I'm not even allowed peanuts or cashews at the moment because they're too high in lectins. So it's literally only almond butter. But so it's been easy to stop the snacking because there's nothing I can have. So and then I but anyway, I tend to do that and then have my lemon, my hot water with lemon and apple cider vinegar in the morning. And then I have a few forkfuls of fermented vegetables about an hour after that and my wheatgrass juice, but I don't actually eat. I have my smoothie at about 10 o'clock. So kind of that works really well for me that makes me feel really good you know when you were talking about the um cycles as well so important so important for us as women to not just go by what a book says or what some instagrammer is saying about fasting because again it comes back to intuit the, the intuition and as women we have to understand our cycles and eat and sleep and everything based on what our cycles telling us so i love that you've said that i think it's really important and not just in eating also in li- listening to your body and understanding that you know not overdoing the yoga when you on your first two yeah. three days because actually any inversions including downward dog you're going against the flow and you really shouldn't be um and i know a lot of yoga teachers say it's fine but i think two three days you you should really avoid it especially especially yeah. the flow and weight training i think you know ayurveda also well ayurveda practitioners have told me not to first three four days or when you're on your cycle don't do heavy lifting and maybe that's again obviously we don't know how that's going to affect us in the future but maybe that's one thing that we should do for to prevent issues in the future maybe that that's the reason why they say i don't actually know and i don't think there's enough reason research to show that weight training for example will cause this this and this issue but it's one thing that ayurveda or ayurvedic practitioners will say that avoid too much exercise when you're on your cycle and i will always listen to the ancient techniques above anything else and it, it all comes back to listening to your body. We've moved so far away from the understanding of our bodies and from our intuition. But I don't exercise at all in the first few days of my period. I do nothing. And, you know, I teach clients a lot about, you know, conscious menstruality. And that that week of your, your menstruation is your inner winter. You should be hibernating. You should do it, be doing whatever you can do to honor your body, your menstruating body at that time. So when you read these ancient scriptures and you read kind of these lessons from Ayurveda, Chinese medicine, homeopathy, they all tell you these things, you know, and I just think going away from all the data, this data driven evidence and all of this and back to basics is for me where all the answers are. I totally agree. (laughs) 
let's move into all about you. So I'm going to ask you a series of quick fire questions. And we're friends, so I thought I'd have a bit of fun with it with you. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, one principle everyone should adopt to enrich their lives. Breathing, being conscious of breathing and breathing deeply. Glad and smiling. That. I think I would, I would I would actually put them on equal par smiling. Oh, true. What a nice thing to add in there. I love that. What would be your last supper? Ooh, that's an interesting one. I always say my favorite go-tos are a dal and porridge on equal footing. <laughs> That's, I've never heard anyone say porridge in their last supper. <laughs> You've definitely claimed that one. I just love the sweetness of porridge and the heartiness. I think it's both the comfort food. So dal and porridge. I, don't, I just don't know which one I choose because I love both equally. Well, it's your last supper. So you get starter, main course and dessert. So you can have the That's porridge great. as a starter, the dal as a main course. And what will your dessert be? Ooh. <laughs> Dark chocolate. Mm, yeah. Who was your first celebrity crush? Oh my God. <laughs> That's a really tricky one. I actually really don't know. I've never thought about that. That's a, Really? Most people would know off the top of their heads. I actually don't know. Yeah, that. mine was Jason Donovan. So hmm. just remember. <laughs> God, I don't actually know. Sorry, I don't That's know the fine. That. Favorite way of treating yourself? Massage. Amazing. And the best thing that's happened to you this month? Oh, best thing that's happened to me this month. Uh, Lockdown ending and going out, actually sitting on rooftops and seeing Mm. the sun. Oh, yeah. Such a lovely way to end on. Uh, I agree. Thank you so much, Mira. Just quickly tell people where they can find you so people can look you up. So my Instagram is probably the best place. It's Mira Manic at Mira Manic, M-I-R-A-M-A-N-E-K. And my other Instagram for my chai brand, which is Chai by Mira at Chai by Mira, C-H-A-I-B-Y-M-I-R-A. Um, and you can buy my chai blends, our chai blends on chaibymira.com. It's all very simple. And um, I think that's it. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well. And I'm on Facebook. I love your chai blends. Amazing. Thank you. Thanks so much, Lauren. Thank you so much. Oh, yes, I would love some more when I'm actually allowed to have it. But yeah, it is beautiful for anyone who enjoys chai. It's perfectly formulated. So, yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Lauren. And thank you for having me. It's been wonderful chatting to you this wonderful sunny morning. Oh, it's been lovely. This season of Reconditioned is sponsored by Block Blue Light, the world's leading supplier of blue and artificial light blocking products, including blue light glasses and blue blocking lighting solutions. Blue light blocking products aim to alleviate digital eye strain, improve sleep and optimize health through mitigating the harmful effects of artificial light from screens and modern lighting. For a 10% discount across the range, visit blockbluelight.co.uk and enter the code LAUREN10. Thank you to Block Blue Light. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to Recondition today. I'd be so grateful if you could subscribe and maybe even leave a review if you enjoyed this episode. And better still, if you could share with friends and family who could benefit from the content, that's what I'd really love. I just want us to share the love so that everyone can understand how to use an integrative approach to life and health. For more free resources, visit laurenvacneen.co.uk and laurenvacneencoaching.com.